Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Thank you for joining us on Community Focus today, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations who are making a difference. There is one gentleman who has devoted so much of his time to helping the community. I could not be more honored to welcome Ron Book to the program today. You're involved with so many things, Ron, but one of your personal missions is with the Homeless Trust. Can you tell me about that and why it's so important to you? Thank you, and I really appreciate it. And, you know, you always demonstrate through action how much all of this means to you. And I always like to be sure you know how much we appreciate not only the opportunity to be heard on your programming, but I think it's really important for folks to know just how committed you are as well. Because at the end of the day, it takes a village to solve certain problems, no matter where you are in America. And one of the things that I'm the most proud of about living in South Florida and living in Miami-Dade is the fact that the community that you and I know, the community of two and a half plus, 2.6, 2.7 million people in the 26 years of the Homeless Trust's existence have managed to reduce unsheltered street homelessness by over 90%. And that includes that economic downturn period between 2007 and the start of the recovery in 2013. We continue to have a downtrend on the people living on our streets. And while we've still got about 2,500 in shelters, we're down to only 892 people still unsheltered living on our streets. And I use the word only, but at the end of the day, when you think about where we started with that just over 8,000 unsheltered, and now to be down to 892, and when you think about the fact that Seattle, San Francisco, L.A., San Diego, Denver, Houston, Dallas, New Orleans, Atlanta, Chicago, Detroit, Boston, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, New York City, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, and Miami-Dade County all started 26 years ago with between 8,000 and 11,000. L.A. had a little closer to 12,000 unsheltered. Tonight, when people in L.A. put their heads on their pillows, There'll be just over 71,000 people living on their streets and bumping up on 60,000 in San Francisco, while in Miami-Dade County, we'll be at 892. And look, we're at a tough time in our community, tough time because the trust, which has historically had enough financial resources to meet the needs, COVID really tested us. It tested our continuum. It tested our resources. We spent all our reserves down. But we also managed to keep people alive and keep people safe and to defy the national statistics. We tested over 24,000 people during COVID. We administered over 2,600 vaccinations to homeless people. We have a positivity rate in the 1.2, 1.3% all the way through. And while I'll again use the word only, we only lost nine lives. Nine lives too many, but when you lay that to the 
triple figure, four figure numbers of deaths mm. in other urban communities around the country, it speaks volumes about the people that we call the village of Miami-Dade County, because it's that heart, that soul, that care that we have demonstrated for folks considered to be the least, the last, the lost, and the forgotten. Yeah. Yes, it's a really big deal. So thank you. Well, thank you for acknowledging everyone who supports what you do. What is the secret that made the difference in numbers here and numbers elsewhere, particularly with the pandemic? Well, first of all, I think that the critical piece in general has been the fact that we had a plan. And that plan is a plan we stuck to. We don't deviate from it. If we're going to make a change in our plan to end homelessness, it will be after careful deliberations. It will be after outcome and performance results are reviewed and we determine there's a better way to do something. We don't just knee-jerk make a change. We guard our resources very carefully. The second piece is that we've had leadership. And the third piece is we've had financial resources. And those financial resources have come from a food and beverage tax, the only one in the country dedicated to ending homelessness. 85% of those proceeds go directly to the trust. 15% goes to the Domestic Violence Oversight Board. That clearly, just as us, have many people that have homeless challenges in their day-to-day -day existence. Mm. So it's that for which we are most grateful to the community, but it is that which has allowed us in a very disciplined way to stick to the plan. And look, I'm, I've, I've been a chair a long time. I'm cheap and I'm frugal. <laughs> Not necessarily cheap and frugal when it comes to my own personal lifestyle, <laughs> but when it comes to the taxpayer's money, if you walked into a trust meeting and you stood up and you shouted, I heard the chairman has a favorite word. The entire room would shout, yes, his favorite word is free. And then if you followed it by, does he have a favorite phrase? They would all say, yes, he's cheap and frugal. Okay. Um, and, and I am. And I am because, A, it's taxpayers' money, but, B, I know that the further we stretch that elastic band, the more people we help every single day. 100%. Do you anticipate an increase in homelessness now that the rent moratoriums have ended and people are having to pay bills again? There's water bills, electric bills that they didn't have to deal with for a year, at least, during the pandemic. And the pandemic is not entirely over, although there's been tremendous improvement. But a lot of people are suddenly having to make payments and back payments as well. So how do you, I don't know if, I mean, you're not a psychic, but you have enough experience to understand how financial difficulties impact housing. Well, I remain deeply concerned uh, to say that I have not had uh, sleepless nights over the last uh, 10 or 11 months would be just simply misleading you. Um, we started last November to begin to look at what do we do. We know this is not going to last forever. So when the moratorium goes away, what are we going to do? How are we going to position ourselves to be in the right place? How are we going to mitigate the, the, the results of what happens 
when the moratorium goes away. And, you know, at about that time was when the American Rescue Plan monies began to become available. And we started in November working with the clerk of the courts, the judges, the interested groups that wanted to participate with us. And we began to lay out a plan. We began to lay out an education plan. We began to determine where were these people. We took the little over 7,000 cases that were already pending in the courts, and we did an analysis where the zip codes were. Where did those people live? We began to produce a message on postcards. We mailed to all those individuals that had eviction action pending. We started messaging about if you are about to become homeless or you know someone that is, here's how you reach us. Here's how you find us. Here's how you get information. And what came out of that was the mayor's commitment to putting so much of the American Rescue Plan money to work as it relates to rental relief. And then she was not afraid after it closed and there was still some money. She wasn't afraid to reopen that period of time for more people to access those funds. Look, we know, we know firsthand from talking to people that were adversely impacted that many of them thought that the moratorium would last forever. So they didn't need to plan. They didn't need to apply for rental relief. They sat around and waited. And we kept working and working. And so at the end of the day, while many communities in America have sent a lot of money back, because what the federal government has done, those communities that did not spend down at least to a certain percentage of those monies, they went back and did a claw back and took the money back. What are they going to do? They're going to take communities like ours that spent it all smartly wisely, as planned, as designed, and they're going to give us an opportunity to get some additional funding. We've spent all of our rental relief money. We need more. And so am I more cautiously optimistic than I was 9, 10, 11 months ago? I am. I'm encouraged by the level of care and concern of people helping people in our community. But let's make no No, no bones about it. We have a senior citizen homeless problem in our community. That senior citizen homeless problem existed before COVID. COVID certainly put exclamation points on it. What COVID managed to do was allow me, urge me, encourage me to take and move all those senior citizens that were living in our shelters. It encouraged us to take those senior citizens and move them into isolation and quarantine. Mm. What it allowed us to do is then go to the streets and get every one of the senior citizens willing to come off the streets and go into a hotel placement off the streets. So today, I've got several hundred more seniors in our continuum than I had before COVID, but with a goal for those in particular that we took off the streets that came inside into Odell, our goal is to never return them to the streets. Our goal is to find permanent housing for them. And therein lies one of our biggest challenges. We don't have enough affordable housing 
for the formerly homeless, extremely low income affordability category of individuals. And that certainly applies to senior citizens. And my fear, my fear, my worst nightmare is we're going to get to a point where we're out of rent relief money. We're going to get to a point where I've got a couple of hundred seniors that don't have housing and I don't have shelter room for them because we've had to reduce capacity in shelters the way we were able during COVID to minimize hospitalizations. Fewer than 85 hospitalizations of homeless people. Think about that. Nowhere in America there were days in those first four or five months where we would read in New York and in San Francisco, a hundred people removed from a shelter taken to this hospital or that hospital in serious condition. We didn't have any of those. We had no mass evacuations into hospitals from shelters, not anywhere because we were that careful. And so I cannot return many of these seniors that are still in our quarantine and isolation hotel program. I can't return them to shelters in many instances. So we're trying to buy housing. We are out there trying to buy multifamily housing. We are out there trying to raise money in the private sector. We have a partnership with the Miami Foundation. The Miami Foundation, which is the philanthropic charitable entity that so many, so many of our philanthropic givers contribute to. We are out for the first time in 26 years begging, begging, begging the community to contribute. They can go to the Miami Foundation website. They can go to the Homeless Trust website and find a way to contribute to help us buy housing. We've got one building identified where I've got 90 senior citizens living today. They've been there for more than a year and a half. I can convert it to permanent supportive housing for them. I can make the rents at a price that they can afford with their fixed Social Security income. We can get there, but we can't get there without money. And I'm not a guy who raises money for homelessness often. In fact, in 26 years, first time, wow. first time, but we're out of money. And let there be no question, for years I was criticized because I had reserves. I ran the trust. I run the trust like a business should run with operating reserves, with capital reserves, so that if there's a bad time, you can have what resources you need to cover yourself. People criticize me for not spending that money down over the years. Well, guess what? We found the ultimate crisis. We found the ultimate rainy day. We found the ultimate need to go into those reserves, and they're gone. So my only option is to beg into the credit of the mayor and Chairman Diaz of the county commission and the entire board of county commissioners. They found $5 million for me. They found $5 million of rescue plan money. So we've got at least a significant down payment on that one building, but I need three buildings. And if I don't get three buildings, we are going to have challenges. And so instead of talking about the lowest number in the 25 and a half years of the homeless trust existence, we're at the lowest unsheltered street number ever, ever, 892. That's where we want to be, and the last thing we want to do is go backwards. Okay, so some of the priority needs are, one, money, two, a build, two buildings, at least, that you can purchase at a reasonable price. So, right. so we're looking for building owners, property owners, who are willing to sell to the Homeless Trust. Correct. And anybody that's got a unit they want to rent to us, 
We're a very good, we're a very good payer. When they take our tenants in, we pay, number one. Number two, we've never had a landlord, never, not in all the years of our existence that have ever had to tap into our repair fund so that when somebody moves from a unit, we assure that the unit will be returned in the same condition in which we found it. We've never had one landlord, not one have to tap into that fund. Okay, so for landlords, it seems like that's a great deal to be able to rent a piece of property and know that the county will pay for it. They don't have to worry about whether someone can afford to live there. Let me let me change one set of words you use. Okay. A lot of people don't want to do business with the county. I love the county. But they'll be doing business with the Homeless Trust. Okay, understood. Yes, I'm a county-created entity. But the private sector chair oversees the activities day-to-day. The private sector chair has the authority to hire and fire the staff. Okay. We run it like a business. Okay, now you have minimum requirements for shelters, property. They have to have a minimum standard for living conditions. And you also have standards for the people who are now moving into a shelter or a piece of property that's going to be long term. And that's permanent supportive housing. Okay. And this is how you keep these relationships going because it's not just a homeless trust, but you build trust between landlords and their renters. Correct. Okay. So we've got Homeless Awareness Day coming up in just a few days, November 4th. What are you looking for people to do to make a difference on Homeless Awareness Day or really every day? It's really every day, but we use Homeless Awareness Day. It's the largest single day event held anywhere, anywhere in the country. The number one largest anywhere in America is what we do on Homeless Awareness Day. And what we try to do is show the community where we are. What have we done? What is the state of homelessness in this community? And so, for example, on the day before Homeless Awareness Day, I will meet with the Greater Miami Chamber of Commerce membership. And we will, at that time, give them an update from the prior year. Because last year, oh, that's right, had to do it last year by virtual presentation. Right, of This course. year, we will do Homeless Awareness Day in a live forum. It will be the first live thing that the Greater Miami Chamber will have done. And so the most important thing is to show our community. What's most important is we focus on homeless education on that day, the nation's largest single-day community event, period. Um, We look to the community organizations to link up with them and to the schools and to bring educational messages about homelessness direct to residents and students. And frankly, we would extend an open invitation for people to form their own events using tools we will provide. If they go to the homelesstrust.org website, there's a toolkit they will find, and they could email HADMiami, H-A-D, Homeless Awareness Day Miami, at gmail.org, and they can connect with our team, and we will help them coordinate 
activities on that day. But at the end of the day, this is about bringing about real change for those in Miami-Dade County that are experiencing homelessness. And one of the things we're going to do, which is really going to be a very hard moment for me, because in addition to going out to the community, we're going to thank the 482 individuals and our outreach teams who during the period of COVID, I want you to think about that statement, 482 employees and our outreach teams who put their lives on the line, working tirelessly through COVID to ensure that our homeless had access to health care and the support they needed to stay healthy. They put their lives, their families' lives on hold and at risk, many times having to be quarantined themselves for weeks at a time. It's I, I call these gratitude brigades that we're going to be doing because at the end of the day, when all is said and done, those are my heroes. You've got the nurses are my heroes. Yes, the police, firefighters, EMS—they're mm-hmm. my heroes. Yeah, but my really big heroes, the most unsung heroes in this community, were the 402 people who risked their lives to save others, so that we could tell you today, two almost two years after the start of COVID that we only lost nine lives, that we only had to hospitalize 83, 84 people, that we had a positivity rate in the 1.2% range, that our numbers were so unbelievable that the CDC sent people to this community to go into our shelters to try to understand Mm -hmm. so they could help other communities around the country be as safe as our community was to those people most vulnerable, most vulnerable to the bad outcomes of what was predicted would be the outcomes from COVID. I want to add that the average homeless person has a life expectancy of between 13 and 17 fewer years of life than you and I. Sure. What does that mean? It means that every one of those homeless people has an underlying health care problem. What it means is, is that those people were the most vulnerable and when you realize that almost one-third of our homeless population are senior citizens, mm. oh, my God, and you ask me about evictions, we're talking about people that would be homeless for the first time in their lives, with a third of them being seniors. I don't know about you, but I don't know how my parents, they were still alive, or my grandparents would make one tonight on the streets, let alone potentially months or years. Yeah, we hear too many stories about entire families living in a car. Now, that may be a form of shelter, but it's not really shelter. We don't recognize cars as shelters. Right. Uh, HUD recognizes if you double up with someone, you are not homeless per se under the HUD definition. On the other hand, school districts like Miami-Dade County consider if you don't have your place, you're homeless, whether you're on the streets, in a car, or doubled up at a family member or a friend's home. And so, yeah, yeah, it's special time in our community, and everybody in our community should be proud of the way we rose to the occasion of protecting ourselves, but more importantly, those who couldn't protect themselves. I have to give you credit. First of all, the people who come, those 492 people who work with you, 
It's your passion that brings people to you. And you've made 492 angels who are working on behalf of South Florida and the homeless people in Miami. You're, you're kind, and they are just special people to me. They are. And, and the thing that you're also able to do is make the concept of a homeless person about a person rather than homeless. And I think too many people forget that they are real people who have the same needs as the rest of us, but have hit hard times or, uh, you know, the the myths about, well, people want to be homeless. They want to stay on the street. That's such a minute percentage of the real homeless problem. And once you are homeless, trying to climb out of that hole is incredibly difficult. So the, the, ability that you give them to take a shower so they can be clean and go on a job interview and work with people so they can get back on their feet and become independent again is invaluable. So yes, Homeless Awareness Day, we want people to go to homelesstrust.org or email hadmiami, H-A-D-Miami at gmail.com and find out what you can do to help. But remember also, November 18th is Give Miami Day. And this is an opportunity to double the money that you are giving to, I mean, there's hundreds of nonprofit organizations participating in this, but you can choose one that matters to you. And perhaps the Homeless Trust is one that will make a difference and you can literally save lives by doing this. So we're going to talk more about Give Miami Day with them before the 18th, but obviously the Homeless Trust, you are one of the nonprofits working with Give Miami Day and available to receive support from that day. And I know it's been incredibly successful. Even during the pandemic, they still raised millions and millions of dollars. And all of that goes to support people. It is really, it, it all comes down to people who are the recipient of the work of our nonprofits. So if anyone has any questions or wants more information, you want them to go to homelesstrust.org? Yes. Okay. And if someone finds themselves in need of shelter, on the edge, facing homelessness, again, is there a hotline to call or you prefer... Either, I would suggest they either go to homelesstrust.org or they dial 786-251-8324, 786-251-8324. Okay. And they will get the executive director of the trust is who they will get, answering her phone. All right. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, you know, it, it's weird to say I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, something that reminds me that 892 people are homeless. But the point is, we're going to reduce that number even further when we all, as you said, it takes a village. We all come together. We can make a difference. And it doesn't have to impact any of us individually in too difficult of a way to make the difference for those who have nothing. So. Ron Book, again, I just, I marvel at how much you care for our community and how much you do for our community. And it's so good to talk to you again. And we will stay in touch, keep up with what's happening on Give Miami Day. And remember, Homeless Awareness Day, November 4th, the Homeless Trust at homelesstrust.org. Thank you so much. Ellen, thank you so very much. Always we really appreciate it. Thank Always. you. 
And I just want to add, you know how they say that you can't really understand what someone is going through or has been through until you've walked in their shoes. Well, Covenant House holds its annual Sleepout America in April with organized sleepouts so you get a sense of what it is like to be homeless living on the streets. Now, you don't have to wait until April to get a feeling for what it's like. You can do this on your own. Consider spending one night in your backyard or on the street in front of your home. Make a tent of cardboard. Don't bring food because they're not likely to have it. You can't go into the house to use the restroom. You have no TV, no cable, no Amazon, no Netflix, maybe a phone, and see how you feel the next day, assuming you make it through the night. Now imagine your kids having to do that with you, or as Ron mentioned, your parents. And you can see the importance of helping people find shelter and find a way back to being safe and supported and ultimately independent. Again, Homeless Awareness Day this Thursday, November 4th. And thank you to Ron Book, chairman of the board of the Homeless Trust, for letting us know about this. Uh, You can get information, email HAD Miami for Homeless Awareness Day Miami at gmail.com. Visit homelesstrust.org or call, if you need assistance, 786-251-8324. Join us again next Sunday for an all-new edition of Community Focus. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.